It is almost Championship Sunday, and that's what we're here to talk about today on this brand new episode of Very Cold Lasagna, which is the podcast that houses a safe and open listening platform for casual, cold, and even the dumbest takes on the world of pro wrestling and sports in general. I am your host, Dylan Lasagna. Welcome to today's episode, episode number 87 of this freezing cold podcast that houses that icy cold lasagna. But again, let's remember, it is still spicy as hell. <laughs> but here we are, NFL Championship Sunday, the most important weekend in January. It is not the Royal Rumble. No, no, no. Not the 2022 Royal Rumble in St. Louis. We are not here to talk about that as um, we usually would like to. Um, but pro wrestling is in such a sta- in, in a sad state of affairs right now. So... Pro wrestling and the Royal Rumble, I could care less about. I don't even know who should even win the Royal Rumble, let alone who deserves to win it. Um, but anyway, in any case, what's happening on the day after the Royal Rumble is NFL Conference Championship Sunday. That is right. Here we are, the final four of the NFL playoffs. The AFC and NFC championships are on the line to determine who is going to the Super Bowl in Los Angeles, in SoFi Stadium, Super Bowl 56. Four teams have made it this far, made it this deep into the postseason, and we're about to find out who's going to make it to that final round of the 2021 NFL playoffs. And, man, this postseason has been an unreal ride, man. You've had all the favorites um, upset, uh, sort of. (laughs) Only one? Pretty much remains, and that is the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> You've already had the Green Bay Packers upset, Tom Brady and the Bucks gone, Dallas Cowboys also gone. Well, because it's the Dallas Cowboys, and all that remains is the Kansas City Chiefs. And then the other teams, well, the LA Rams have a chance to make history of becoming the first team not just to host the conference championship, but to also host the Super Bowl. So both. The LA, Ram- the LA Rams get to can have the opportunity to host both the NFC title game and the Super Bowl in its home stadium. History in the making for them if they manage to win this game. Um, and then you got the Cincinnati Bengals. Here they are with Joe Burrow in his second year um, leading his team, the no- former number one overall pick, all the way to the AFC title game after last year's disaster. And then, of course, by San Francisco 49ers. Who would have thought... Who would have thought um, my 49ers starting three and five and, you know, at some point they should have started uh, developing Trey Lance, but here they are with Jimmy Garoppolo and that ferocious um, run defense, that pass, that, that passing defense, that overall defense. And they, they are here in the, NFC, in the NFC title game against the LA Rams. So it's going to be, a interesting weekend. I don't know if it's going to be a good follow-up to the divisional playoffs that we got um, this past weekend, and which was a wild weekend in of itself. But, you know, conference, conference Championship Sunday, or like any weekend of football in general, unlike pro wrestling, you don't know what you're going to get. You honestly don't know what the hell uh, you're going to expect. You honestly don't. Because any, any given Sunday, as they like to say in the NFL, and here we are. Here we are. We have like three completely unexpected teams um, going to the conference championships. And who knows? Maybe we could get two completely unexpected teams um, by the end of Sunday heading to the Super Bowl. So that being said, let's talk about these two games, starting with the game that kicks it all off on Championship Sunday, the AFC Championship game. The four-seeded Cincinnati Bengals, the AFC North Division champions, going to Kansas City to take on the two-seeded AFC West champion, Kansas City Chiefs. It's a rematch of their Week 17 matchup that happened in Cincinnati that the Bengals won 34-31. And, you know, it was a matchup that the Chiefs seemed primed to win. They were overpowering the Bengals on offense. And, you know, at one point, at halftime, they were leading 28-17. to 17. I mean, sure, 11-point lead. It's only halftime, but Patrick Mahomes and that offense were, were rolling. We're steamrolling that Chiefs defense. But in the second half, I mean, sure, people can blame the referees and penalties all they want in that game. But the Chiefs defense could not stop Joe Burrow 
and Jamar Chase from exploding all second half long, outscoring Kansas City 17 to 3. Yes, the Chiefs only the Chiefs offense only scored three points alone in that second half. And the Bengals went on to win in a in a comeback um on the backs of their kicker, Evan McPherson, and clinched their first AFC North title since 2015. That would set the tone for their playoff run. And here they are. Here they are once again. So both teams, you know, here they are in the title game. They've, they've had um, some interesting roads. Um, they had some interesting roads since their week 17, uh, week 17 matchup for the Bengals as the, as the road team. Um, clearly some things have uh, gone a little much more, more in their favor. For the Cincinnati Bengals at 10 and 7, they um again they clearly ex- exceeded expectations as not just the division champions, but you know, just making making it to this point. You know, they they've had a very successful season with uh, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, the rookie fifth overall pick, has um well well <laughs> broke out um in his very first season, and then the strong supporting cast with um, T Higgins. And Tyler Boyd and CJ Uzama, as well as running back Joe Mixon. This offense is very explosive. And, you know, their defense is also pretty solid, too. But, you know, there's a little bit of concern when it comes to um, a couple of their injuries and their secondary. You know, as, a, as the four seed, they began their playoff run um, at home against Derek Carr and the Las Vegas Raiders, who were fresh off their week 18 victory against the LA Chargers in a win or go home matchup. So, for the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, they they were productive for most of the first half. You know, on defense, Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson on the defensive line, um, they were getting to Derek Carr, um, and they were creating three and outs on defense, and they were getting multiple chances for Joe Burrow and that offense to attack. And attack they did. They they were creating a lot of oper- they were creating a lot of chances to get points, and at one point they were up 17 to, to 6, I believe. And the highlight of that first half for Cincy was uh, Joe Burrow's touchdown to Tyler Boyd right after the two-minute warning of the first half. But it was kind of controversial because the whistle um, was blown by a referee, and that should have resulted in the play being dead, but um, they didn't. So anyway, aside from that uh, controversial um, moment that happened, the aggression that Cincinnati showed in the first half was not there in the second half. And as a result, Las Vegas managed to storm back in the fourth quarter, albeit field goals. But still, it was still a relatively close game. Um, and Derek Carr furiously got his offense, you know, he, he they got him going because, you know, it was only a touchdown game for the Raiders. And had they scored, it would have forced overtime. But when when they were at when they were in the red zone, Derek Carr threw an interception to linebacker Jermaine Pratt. He, he got a clutch moment in the final seconds, and the Bengals survived 26-19 and got their first playoff win since 19, 1989, I believe, and ended the longest drought um, without a playoff victory. So I guess not having Marvin Lewis as your head coach <laughs> did the trick to get your first playoff victory, as well as Andy Dalton not being your quarterback. So the next week after... They traveled to Tennessee to face the top seed Titans. Um, the Titans um, were coming off their their first round bye, getting everyone healthy, including their uh, their running back, Derrick Henry, on offense. And for the Titans, obviously, things not looking good, as we discussed on the previous episode, because um, the Bengals were creating plays of their own on the, the very beginning, because the safety, Jesse Bates, Intercepted Ryan Tannehill on the very first play of the game. Um, But all the Bengals could do was muster a field goal. So 3-0, okay, that's fine. Um, But the problem was both teams were struggling. Um, Both teams were struggling on offense um, for much of the game. And a big problem for Cincinnati um, for not just this game, but for much of the season was their ability to protect Joe Burrow um, up front on the offensive line. But it really showed here. It really showed in this game against uh, the Titans because the offensive line, um, they gave up nine sacks. Yes, nine sacks to a furious Titans pass rush. And that is not good. Joe Burrow was not able to 
um, get away from the pressure. He was not able to like find his receivers. He, he didn't like, I don't know why Zach Taylor didn't go for the uh, short passing game because of the terribleness of the offensive line, but it was what it was. Um, fortunately, um, for the Bengals, the Titans were also sucking on offense because of Ryan Tannehill. So towards the end of the game, it was tight 16 all and the Titans had a chance to win this game. That was if they could get past midfield. And well, they couldn't because Eli Apple tipped one of Ryan Tannehill's passes and Logan Wilson, one of the linebackers intercepted it and gave the offense one more chance to let themselves win the game. And finally, the offensive line, you know, didn't cave and allowed Joe Burrow to get a big pass into Jamar Chase to get into Evan McPherson's field goal range. And he won the game on a field goal, a very long field goal, to upset the AFC's top seed. Probably not, I guess you can't really call it upset because they were very weak. But anyway, they managed to upset the AFC's top seed 19 to 16. So, you know, for the Cincinnati Bengals, they're written as basement dwellers um, before the season, season even started um, by the media. But damn, here they are. AFC title game. <laughs> Their first one in over 30 years. Remember, um, Boomer Sison and Chris Collinsworth playing <laughs> for the Bengals. Um, and if they win this game, they're, they're going to the Super Bowl. They're just one game away um, from making their dreams come true. So all they need to do to get to the Super Bowl is get past the AFC's King of Kings. Bow down to the, bow down to the king. And that is the Kansas City Chiefs. And, you know, for a Chiefs team that struggled um, for the early portion of the season, and, you know, even I was thinking, you know, I thought it was going to be a Chiefs season filled with the, that's dreaded Super Bowl losers curse, where if you lose the Super Bowl, you're not going to do as well or pretty terrible um, the following season. But here the Chiefs are. They're back in the AFC title game. They're fourth straight one, hosting the game at home, um, thanks to the Titans sucking um, and, well, beating the Bills um, in the divisionals. And here they are. At 12-5, and five, the Kansas City Chiefs are back in the AFC title game. But again, it wasn't all, it wasn't always um easy going for the chiefs you know they struggled in the early portion of the season but they shook off that notion of the loser's curse for now and pretty much returned to form um not much needs to be said about Patrick Mahomes in the offense um but a defense led by the safety Tyron Matthew and defensive uh, tackle Chris Jones um the defense has done pretty well um during the second half of the season, but they've kind of faltered during the last two games of the season. So they managed to get the two seed. Um, I, met, I forgot to mention that matchup against Cincinnati where the Chiefs lost. They co it cost themselves the number one seed, but I guess they didn't really need it much because, well, it managed to help them in the end because Tennessee man ended up losing anyway. But still, they began their bid to return to the Super Bowl um, facing the seventh seed Pittsburgh Steelers, um, they started off slow on offense, and eventually, after T.J. Watt stripped them, strip sacked them on the wildcat play, returned it for a touchdown. That was pretty much what the offense needed to wake itself up. Um, Patrick Mahomes and company pretty much destroyed that Steelers defense that had been pretty, been pretty solid for much of the year, and it shat the bed <laughs> in this game. And then, obviously, Big Ben Roethlisberger was washed as all hell in this game. He stood no chance against uh, the Chiefs as um, the Chiefs sent Big Ben into retirement 42-21 to in a total blowout. So, that Steelers matchup only served as an appetizer. You know, that appetizer to the main course of what was to come for Kansas City at home. A matchup with Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills in the divisional playoffs. This is a highly anticipated rematch um, from last year's AFC Championship game and in Week 5. You know, both teams looking for revenge on one another. Um, for the Chiefs, it was that Week 5 matchup where the Bills trounced them at home. For the Bills, they wanted to eliminate um, the team that beat them in the AFC title game a year ago. So, 
initially this highly anticipated rematch, you know, looked towards being a kind of pseudo bro blowout because this Chiefs team was imposing their will against a Bills defense that, well, for a top-ranked team, was kind of like getting their will imposed on by Kansas City. Um, sure, they didn't have their top corner, um, Tredavious White. They lost him um, in the Thanksgiving game, but they were giving up a lot of plays to the Kansas City offense. You know, Kansas City was leading this game 23-14, to midway in the third. But then Josh Allen was like, nah, -uh, I am not going away that easily. He he was lights out for the rest of the game. Him and reserve receiver Gabriel Davis had the game of their life. Um, as the, the Bills went on to try to win this game as much as possible, but I guess Patrick Mahomes saw that as a cute gesture <laughs> because once the Bills took the lead very late in the game, um, I think it was like 26 to 23, uh, no, 29 to 23, 26, Mahomes just needed one minute in the fourth quarter to throw a ball to Tyreek Hill and let him streak past the Bills defense, retake that lead. But then he, he also had to see Josh Allen burn as much time as possible again, throw another strike to Gabriel Davis to give the Bills the lead back. And then here we are, 13 seconds left for the Kansas City Chiefs to make something happen. But that was the problem for the Bills. 13 long seconds for the Buffalo, for the Buffalo Bills to play defense. And um, here was another problem. They elected against squib kicking this ball. And if they squib kick the ball, um, if Sean McDermott called a squib kick, then the Chiefs would have had only like one or two plays to get that ball in, into field goal territory, let alone, I don't think they would have even got a field goal in. They would have had to Hail Mary that shit into the end zone. So the Chiefs instead get to run two big plays to get into Harrison Butker's field goal range to force overtime. And they surely they did force overtime. Where on a coin toss, Mahomes gets the ball first and Josh Allen never touches it. So Mahomes, once again, burnt the Bills defense to a crisp, capped off by Travis Kelsey, getting a leaping touchdown grab to seal a thrilling overtime victory, 42 to 36. So pretty much it was kind of like a reverse of fortune from the 2018 AFC title game against New England, except the Chiefs are on the positive end of it, I guess. So, for Kansas City, you know, the defense still remains a cause for concern, especially if um, they don't, they're not able to have Tyron Matthew, um, their safety, playing this game with a head injury. But assuming he does play, I mean, even then, the Chiefs defense still was giving up uh, a lot of yardage. But, I mean, let's be honest, there's not really much denying that if Josh Allen and the Bills can stop them, I mean, is it is it really like plausible to bet against Kansas City um it, from going to their second Super Bowl in three years like actually the third straight Super Bowl and potentially winning their second Super Bowl in three years <laughs> really? like is it is it like does it feel too predictable at this point does it does it I mean sure any given Sunday but doesn't it just feel a little too predictable? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I just don't know. So some of the biggest storylines, I guess, going into this game is, well, this Bengals offense going up against this Chiefs defense in probably the biggest game um, of, the, of the playoffs. So for Joe Burrow, it's Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Uh, actually, this entire offense against a Chiefs defense that ha actually was giving up a ton of uh, plays, uh, big plays, to not just Josh Allen the Bills in the divisional round, but back in Week 17 when these two teams faced each other. So I know a lot of time, a lot of things have happened since then, but this Chiefs defense still gives up a lot of plays. And, you know, in spite of the offensive line issues for Cincinnati, Joe Burrow has proven that he can sling the ball to his, his guys. Speaking of Joe Burrow, you have it. He's still pretty inexperienced, but I guess with this playoff run that he's having, he's getting some. But he's going up against a more seasoned Patrick Mahomes. He's Mahomes has been in the playoffs for what four consecutive years now, 
He's been to like four AFC title games. He's won a Super Bowl. He's lost in a Super Bowl. He's felt the, the lows of that last year's Super Bowl. So Mahomes knows what it likes. What it's like to be in this situation, unlike with Joe Burrow. Sure, Burrow was in the national championship game in college, but that was college. This is the NFL, much different situation. So <laughs> it it's a battle. For me, it's a battle of experience for these two quarterbacks. So some keys to victory for both for these teams. Um, for the Bengals, I mean, I think it's pretty clear what they need to do. Um, the number one uh, key to victory is to protect Joe Burrow. The offensive line has to protect Joe Burrow at all costs. You can't have a repeat performance of the Tennessee Titans game. I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs pass rush, I mean, not too not too strong as um, the Titans. But if Chris Jones and Frank Clark demolish that Cincinnati front, that offensive line, then Joe Burrow is going to have a very long day. Um, if that offensive line continues to fail, then then Zach Taylor has to like design plays for Joe Burrow to get that ball out, like do some short throws, and let the receivers like try to make like some big plays happen. Uh, get the mid and then once the offensive line like finally, if they try to like um, settle in. Then you can get the mid-range and deep shots going in. And then the defensive line has to contain uh Patrick Mahomes in the pocket. Uh he can't let he can't let him get elusive, scramble out of the pocket, make all these crazy ass throws um to Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. It just can't happen. For the Kansas City Chiefs, just let Mahomes and the big three do their thing. I mean, you're you're playing against I mean a decent Bengals secondary, but um, you're playing, you're playing them again. You're you're playing against a Bengals secondary that that doesn't really have it. Uh, inch of guarding Travis Kelsey, um, um, like they did in Week 17, but this is the championship game, and then you have to shadow man to man Jamar Chase and T Higgins, um, and lastly, feast on this offensive line, like. This Bengals offensive line is pretty horrid. Like like I said uh, before, the the Bengals' uh, lack of addressing the offensive line in the last offseason, it's coming back to haunt them. It really is coming back to haunt them. And, you know, for both of these offenses, they're very strong. They have the ability to score on one another, as evidenced in their Week 17 game. This could be another shootout. It could be a blowout. But the biggest key, though, will be Cincinnati's offensive line and whether or not they can actually protect Joe Burrow this time around, unlike last week in the divisionals. Now they can hold up against the likes of Frank Clark and Chris Jones and that Kansas City pass rush. Then Burrow can uh, create some chances for his receivers, um, get some plays in for them. But if not, it's going to be a very long day and Kansas City will be able to create some three and outs um, on that Bengals offense and that could lead to more opportunities for Mahomes to smash them. So Kansas City knows what it has to do to beat uh, Cincinnati. Um, they got to continually score with Mahomes every chance he gets. Um, but the defense should also do their part in attacking that offensive line. That being said, I'm going with Kansas City because not only do they have the tools to go after Cincinnati's uh, biggest weakness, but they also have the experience to out for Mahomes to outduel Joe Burrow in this kind of kind of game. So I'm going with the Kansas City Chiefs in this big game. Now for the other game. Oh yes. The other the other um title game on this um on this Sunday after on this Sunday. The NFC championship game between the six seeded San Francisco 49ers and the four seeded LA Rams. The three match that nobody expected, right? Yes, that is right. The NFC West rivalry, the the three the three match, the trilogy, the, the definitive edition, not the Grand Theft Auto trilogy definitive edition, not that remastered bullshit. It is the 49ers and the Rams, the trilogy, the definitive edition in the NFC Championship game. Like, who saw this coming? Who really did? Like, sure, some people saw the Rams going to the NFC Championship game, but against the 49ers? Damn. <laughs> 
<laughs> Who saw that coming? <laughs> like, certainly not. Like, as an, even as a Niner fan, even as a Niner fan, that honestly is as truthful as it gets. Not me. Not me. So, obviously, these two teams as division rivals have met one another um, twice, twice a season. So, they met each other back in Week 10 on a Monday night. Um, at that point in time, you know, the Niners were 3-5. and five, um, And season-wise, they were at an all-time low. Uh, because, well, they were running into an embarrassing stretch. <laughs> they were coming off two embarrassing losses um, to the Indianapolis Colts in the rain. And then, at home, uh, to the Kyler Murray-less Arizona Cardinals. Yes, they got their ass uh, run out of their own stadium by Colt McCoy and James Conner alone. Yes, that is right. So then, meanwhile, for the Rams, you know, they were they had their wave of momentum going um, at seven and two. But then they were, themselves were embarrassed um, in week in that same week that the Niners got embarrassed at home against the Derrick Henryless Tennessee Titans. But a lot of that had to do with um, the Titans' defense hammering. Matthew Stafford. So the the Rams were still like like we're the we're still kind of the favorites to go um to the playoffs, go to the NFC title game, perhaps maybe make that Super Bowl run. And during that uh during that week of the Titans game, you know, they had gotten former Broncos linebacker Von Miller in a trade, and then they got former Browns receiver Odell Beckham Jr. Um as a free agent because he got released from the Browns. Um, so this matchup week 10 matchup against the 49ers was like, Oh shit. I, I when I did that preview, I was like, Oh man, this is going to be a Monday night massacre. This was going to be a massacre on Monday night. The Rams are going to super smash. Going to get that smash ball and perform their final smash early and often on the 49ers. But then that didn't happen. <laughs> The 49ers came in and out of this game well-motivated to beat L.A. They clearly got under uh, Matthew Stafford's skin with heavy pressure in the defensive line. And the secondary played lights out, intercepting uh, Stafford twice. Jimmy Ward um, picked them off twice. And the the second one, a pick six. And um, that secondary kept Cooper Cup relatively in check for much of the game. And Oda Beckham at the time was still trying to, like, um, like figure out the offense. Um, so the Rams were kind of like, I guess you could call them out of sync. Um, during that that time period. Meanwhile, for the 49ers, their offense mostly controlled the game with their run first ball control approach, and that was a theme that would parlay for about a month. Um, when I mean by run first ball control, you know, they were pretty much running the football with Elijah Mitchell, and this was the time where they started to use Debo Samuel as a hybrid wide receiver running back. So <laughs> you would start to see why Debo Samuel is the most important, one of the most important players in their offense because of how much he can do. And sure, Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo got some big throws into uh, Debo Samuel, but the theme of this game was the Niners offense controlling the game with their, um, their strategy of running the ball and controlling the clock. So I guess you, this week 10 matchup, I, for the 49ers and the Rams was the Monday Night Massacre. Yes, by the 49ers as they beat their division rivals 31-10. And, and that would set the tone. That would be the beginning for the Niners' delusional play, playoff push. So these two met again in the season finale in Week 18. And, you know, by the end of the season, both teams um, were faced with uh, playoff scenarios heading into their season finale rematch. You know, for the 49ers... All they had to do was win and get in. It was that simple. Otherwise, um, had New Orleans um, won or had they lost or had the 49ers lost, New Orleans would be the ones in the postseason. For the Rams, they had to beat the 49ers to win the division, to win the NFC West, or they had just had to hope that the Arizona Cardinals would lose to the Seattle Seahawks um, during that same time. And, you know, in this game, early on, it seemed like the Rams were poised to accomplish their goal and take out the 49ers. They were smashing them 17-3 on the backs of that offense of Stafford, Cooper Cup, and their tight end, Tyler Higbee. 
But then the 49ers readjusted and played a total team game in the second half. Jimmy G and that offense were burning that LA defense that played lights out in the first half. And then they that LA defense got burnt to a crisp by the Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel running game and some big throws to George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, and the receiver three, Jawan Jennings. And then on defense, the Rams offense was pretty limited and Matthew Stafford got intercepted twi uh, twice, more on the second interception later. And then they sacked him a couple of times too. So the game went to overtime um, after Jimmy G um, got Juwan Jennings for a wide open touchdown. Um, the 49ers, again, controlled the clock um, in overtime. And while they couldn't get into the end zone to win the game, Robbie Gold took the lead. And then it was on the Rams to try to win this game. They, they, it was all, it was the pressure was on them to not to not get a field goal to tie it, but to actually win this game. But then Matthew Stafford throws an under underthrown pressure driven interception to rookie Ambry Thomas to give the Niners their delusional playoff spot and seal their win 27 to 24. Like imagine that here they are. Niners fans were rejoicing. So the Rams clinched the NFC West, but certainly not in the way that they imagined because, sure, Seattle beat Arizona. Um, Seattle gifted the Rams the division. But again, for the Rams, certainly not the best feeling in the world um, having clinched your, your division, but also losing to your division rival <laughs> at the same time. So here they are, the NFC Championship game. But when it comes to their playoff run, certainly... Um, interesting directions that they took. You know, for the 49ers, you know, they got that playoff spot in the final week of the season in LA. So they became the sixth seed. Um, it could have been worse for them. They could have been the seventh seed and played Tampa Bay early, <laughs> earlier on. So fortunately for them, they traveled to the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC wildcard round. That was also on Nickelodeon, by the way. So in that game in Dallas, they managed to get strong performances from their defensive line um, and the running game. And that defensive line really, really st stood out. They severely limited Dak Prescott in that Cowboys offense um, for much of the game, as well as the running that running attack on offense, um, which was the Cowboys' um, one weakness, um, which was the run defense. And, you know, for the Cowboys... They were just committing mistake after mistake. They were doing a lot of stupid things um, and committing a lot of stupid penalties. But in spite of all that, Jimmy G threw a terrible wide open interception in the fourth quarter. And that set the tone that gave the Cowboys some some fire in their ass to try to make a rally in the fourth quarter to win this game. But, you know, their own stupidity yet again by letting Dak Prescott run the middle, calling a QB draw, dumbass Mike McCarthy, um, call a QB draw with no timeouts remaining from either team, but especially the Cowboys, you had no timeouts, you call a QB draw in the middle, let Dak Prescott slide instead of trying to run out of bounds, and then expect him to spike it with less than four seconds remaining, and then the referee bumps your ass <laughs> instead of handing him the ball, and then you run out of time to spike it, and the Niners hang on. To win 23 to 17, or whatever the score was. But goddamn, <laughs> goddamn. Like, the Niners lucked into that one. The Niners lucked into that wild card win because of Dallas's stupidity. But the opponent that they were going to face in the divisional playoffs wasn't going to be a team that committed um, stupid penalties, wasn't going to be a team that wasn't like as like mentally like unprepared, uh, at least at the time. <laughs> and that team was the Green Bay Packers, the top-seeded, number-one-seed Green Bay Packers and their likely MVP quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. And in the divisional playoffs where it was cold as ice, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams immediately hit the gas pedal on the Niners' defense um, during their opening possession. Um, A.J. Dillon ran into the end zone, took that 7 nothing lead, and, you know, it looked like that the 49ers playoff prophecy was going to be fulfilled. 
And if you don't know what that playoff prophecy was, let me remind you, you know, the Niners make this delusional like playoff push to get one of the wildcard spots. And then once they reach the playoffs, they get smashed in the first round by a more game opponent. But then if they somehow survive, they would get smashed in the second round by the top seed or whoever was the next best op opponent. But then the rest of the game happened. <laughs> the In the snowy, snowy uh, weather that was Lambeau Field, the 49ers defense readjusted. They put on the afterburners, especially in that front seven with Eric Armstead, Fred Warner, and Nick Boza. They put Rodgers in that offense in check um, since that opening touchdown they gave up and only limited them to a field goal. So 10 points total. So kudos to that Niners defense because they mainly kept San Francisco in the game because Jimmy G and that offense couldn't get anything going until the last three minutes of the game. And boy, they really needed that Niners offense because the only way that Niners offense really woke up was a special teams miracle from Jordan Willis and Talanoa Hufunga. They, like, let me backtrack a bit. Jordan Willis blocked a punt in the last four minutes of the game, and then the safety, Talanoa Hufunga, recovered it and got a special team touchdown, tied the game at 10, and then the defense got a three and out on A-Rod, and the offense marched down the field, get into field goal range, have Robbie Gold, Send the 49ers to the NFC Championship game, 13 to 10. And who would have expected these 49ers to be in the NFC title game? <laughs> With a suspect secondary and mediocre quarterback play. And speaking of mediocre quarterback play, I don't know why you all are getting on Mina, Mina Kimes, like that ESPN analyst. I mean, this is not me trying to simp for, for Mina Kimes. Like, I'm just saying, like, what Mina Kimes said on first take. It's true. It's part mostly true. Aside from the part where um, Jimmy G does like the is the guy that does nothing, but you know, went on the A plus project. I mean, what exactly has he done? Like, like aside from a couple of good throws and all that, is there a game where Jimmy G has has won his team a game because of him? Aside from. New Orleans in 2019, aside from the Rams. Like, is there a game in 2021, aside from the Rams this year, like, is it supposed to be the quarterback that does, like, mostly? Mostly? All of it? Let me know that. So, anyway, like, I, I know I sidetracked a little bit, but, you know, for a team that started 3-5, and five, They've gone on a crazy-ass deep run that many didn't expect, including myself. And, you know, they continue to defy that playoff prophecy of getting smashed in the first round, getting smashed in the second round. Are they going to defy that playoff prophecy of getting smashed in the AFC title game? We will see. So, for the Rams, you know, they got themselves the NFC West. They, they unfortunately dropped themselves to the four seed by losing to the 49ers. Um, that allowed the, the Tampa Bay Bucks to get the three, the, the two seed and the Dallas Cowboys to get the three seed. So going into their wild card game against the Arizona Cardinals, the Rams clearly not the happiest a bunch of, of teams. So even worse for them, they had to host the Arizona Cardinals on the closer of Super Wild Card Weekend on a Monday night. But despite all that, um, they completely destroyed Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. Um, because having another struggling team was exactly what the doctor ordered um, in Los Angeles. They completely handicapped Murray um, in that offense, severely limited them. I mean, sure, they were already struggling since they lost uh, DeAndre Hopkins. But that that defense of um, Aaron Donald, Vaughn Miller, Jalen Ramsey, they completely stuffed Murray, and they were creating um, opportunities on on defense to completely run them out of the building and matthew stafford in that offense had a relatively good game in the air as they hammered their division rivals 34 to 11 and then going on to the divisional playoffs against the defending super bowl champion tampa bay bucks on the road you know it seemed like you know this Rams team was going to 
pump the brakes or is what was gonna um push on that gas pedal like early often and never let go of it against tom brady and in the bucks because matthew stafford cooper cup obj immediately attacked that Bucks secondary and that pass rushing duo of aaron donald and von miller were were completely dominating the Bucks offensive line that was not having um its top tackle tristan Wirfs, and it forced tom brady to get that ball out quick so pretty much brady was on the ropes for much of this game but they were leading 27 to 6 um midway through the third and you never want to count out tom brady <laughs> y'all remember super bowl 51 right y'all remember that right so you get costly fumbles from cup and they're returning running back cam Akers. that allows brady and the bucks to rally back they make their way back into the fourth quarter tied things up at 27 apiece 40 seconds left to play but guess that was all matthew stafford needed to have the defining moment of his career he found cooper cup in open space to get into matt gaze their kicker into his range kicked the game-winning field goal with no time remaining and they hold off the bucks comeback bid 30 to 27 eliminate tom brady in the divisional playoffs as the rams on their way to the nfc title game against the 49ers in la one one game away from potentially hosting not just an NFC championship game but also hosting the super bowl in their home stadium so these NFC west champions certainly possess an explosive team on all sides but um yeah you just sometimes have to um wake them up <laughs> when they're leading big because they can slip up and let their opponents back in the game and it could completely bite them in the ass so some of the biggest storylines going into this game um, on Sunday afternoon is the Rams' ability to overcome their biggest kryptonite in the 49ers in order to hope to play the Super Bowl at home. Because for the Rams, they've lost six straight against the 49ers. For whether the 49ers had a losing record in 2020 or even if they had a losing record in 2021, the Rams got their ass beat. By the 49ers. They the 49ers swept the season series against the Rams for three straight seasons. Like whatever magic, whatever voodoo doll that Kyle Shanahan has on Sean McVay, it's clearly working. It's clearly working. So in the biggest game uh for both teams, the Rams have to find something to overcome its biggest kryptonite. It's not Tom Brady, it is not the Arizona Cardinals. It certainly isn't the Seattle Seahawks. It is the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan. And for the 49ers, it's, a, it's their own potential to cap off their Cinderella run with the NFC title win. I mean, sure. 2019 was something. 2019 was something top seed. First NFC title game um, at Levi's. But, you know, going this far, going this deep, exceeding like everyone's expectations, like to everyone's surprise. They made it to the NFC title game, upsetting the top seed Packers, upsetting the Cowboys. Can they pull off one more um, win and be in the Super Bowl in the same stadium that they could potentially eliminate their division rivals? Could it happen? And there's something to keep an eye on with um, their, where both teams' offensive lines, their attack, the left tackles, Trent Williams and Andrew Whitworth. Um, for both, for both of them. Um, they seem like they're going to be trending towards playing on Sunday, but you know, any, any last minute um, things could keep them out of it. So some of the key matchups going to this game is obviously going to be one of them is Jimmy Garoppolo versus that entire Rams defense. Can Jimmy G actually play a, a good mistake free game against that Rams defense that has been playing red hot um, aside from blowing that nearly blowing that lead against Tampa Bay. And then, you also have Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup going against the 49ers defense for the third time. Like, have Stafford and Cup found, are they going to be able to find a way to finally break that um, mold against the 49ers, like, ferocious defense, ferocious pass, pass rush? 
And then the 49ers offensive line against Aaron Donald and uh, Vaughn Miller. Um, one of the 49ers' biggest weaknesses is that right side of the line. They did not do good at all against the Green Bay Packers on, on a Saturday night. And when Aaron Donald and Vaughn Miller were going up against Tampa Bay, against that offensive line without Tristan Wirfs, they were attacking. They were eating and forcing Tom Brady to get rid of that football. So something to keep an eye on during this NFC title game against San Francisco. So some keys to victory for both teams. For the 49ers, Jimmy Jimmy G, it's very simple. You got to play your absolute mistake-free, clean, best game yet. Like, <laughs> like I guess you could say, you could call, it, call this like a pseudo to what Mina Kimes said. It's like, you got to be part of the project. Like, if you want to prove Mina Kimes wrong, you've, you got to be part of this project. You got to finally have the game where you're part of the project. You got to win the game because of you. You got to play your absolute, like, sure. Like, a lot of people are going to be like, oh, no, he's just a, uh, he's just a game manager. He's just a guy. That's part of the, the rest of the team. But the most important position in, in the NFL is quarterback. And at some point during this playoff run, and it, especially if the Knights make it to the Super Bowl, Jimmy G has to con- contribute. He has to be the guy to get the 49ers into the Super Bowl. So maybe this is the game against a division rival that the Niners have had the Rams number on. This is the game that he needs to do his best, do his best against, do his best on. And then for 49ers, like, Run the ball. Run the ball down the Rams' throat early and often. I mean, don't derail from having Jimmy G um, throw, throw the ball, but just run the ball down the Rams' throat. I mean, the Rams' defense, still, still not great. But the, Rams, the 49ers' run offense, pretty damn good. You got two two studs, Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel. So go with your biggest strength. And then generate some serious pressure. On Matthew Stafford, you got a really, really great defensive line um, with Boza, Armstead, Willis, and sorry, I, I'm mixing up names with the other person, <laughs> Samson Bukum. If like if you were able to create some great pressure against a formidable like a a David Bakhtiari-less Packers front, then even up against Andrew Whitworth in that offensive line. They could certainly, certainly generate a lot of heat on Matthew Stafford. For the Rams, um, that offense has to take care of the football. Four, four, four lost fumbles is like unacceptable. Um, that almost cost you the game. Um, and they lost another one. It would have like definitely forced overtime and also lost them the game. And it would have been a completely different NFC Championship game because um, that offense creating those turnovers that wasn't caused by Matthew Stafford. Um, was unacceptable. That defensive line has to attack the right side of the the Niners' offensive line. Tom Compton, Daniel Brunskill, not good. Right, right tackles and right guards, not good at all. And lastly, go for Cooper Cup and Odo Beckham early to smash that Niners secondary. Make make them make them a little scared. Make them a little scared. So this is a big matchup overall to cap off their 2021 trilogy. That's why I call it the NFC champ, the 49ers Rams, the trilogy, the definitive edition. Don't, don't worry about that. Grand Theft Auto trilogy, definitive edition. So these two matchups have proven that, well, Kyle Shanahan owns Sean McVay, but will that narrative change on Sunday? That remains to be seen. What we do know is that the 49ers do possess a stronger defense than the Rams. I mean, secondary it's suspect, but that pass rush, very, very strong. Um, but what makes what I think will make the Rams finally overcome their kryptonite is that high intensity offense. That's if they don't choke it away. And and that's if they have they haven't totally cooled off of the high that was their divisional playoff game against the Tampa Bay Bucks. So Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, OBJ, Cam Akers, Tyler Higby, pretty much the entire offense. Um, if they can have the sequel like they did in uh against the Bucks and apply it here, I guess the 49ers suspect secondary, they're going to the Super Bowl. Whereas for the 49ers, a lot of what's going to happen on Sunday will ride 
on how effective Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be. How effective, like, is he actually going to move the ball, advance the offense down the field, and his ability to not make turnovers, not, like, make any mistakes. It's not like 2019, where uh, Raheem Mostert single-handedly single carried the Niners to the victory in the 2019 NFC Championship game against the Green Bay Packers. I mean, <laughs> unless Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel is going to do the job for them, then no, then they're not going to do that. So Jimmy G is going to have to prove once and for all that he's going to have to be part of the project. He's going to have to be part of the project again. He's going to have to win a playoff game because of him. He hasn't thrown a touchdown in three weeks. That is not good. So he has to prove that he that the Niners want a playoff game because of him. Not in spite of him. Because of him. Otherwise, otherwise you're going to see this playoff prophecy get fulfilled. Three, three rounds later than it should have. Like, do you really want, do you really want to hear me give that Charles Barkley guarantee that the 49ers will get smashed by the LA Rams in Los Angeles, despite that Red Sea of Niners fans in SoFi Stadium? Do ya? Do ya? And no, in all seriousness, for as much as I pick against the 49ers, I'm still picking the Rams. And Heck, I have a good track record of picking against the 49ers and it end up winning, but in all seriousness, I'm going with the Rams. And that'll set up a Chiefs Rams Super Bowl. And heck, maybe we'll get the opposite of that on Sunday. But we'll see. That's what the NFL is all about. Anything can happen in the NFL on any given Sunday. So what do you guys think about these uh, these games happening on Championship Sunday? Let me know. How do you feel? Which one are you most excited for? Who do you think is going to the Super Bowl? Let me know how you feel any way you can and wherever you can. But that is it for this episode of Very Cold Lasagna. I am your host, Dylan Lasagna. Thank you for tuning in to this fine, fine episode. Um, episode number 87 of this Freezing Cold Podcast. Make sure you listen and follow to the show everywhere you can and however you can. Whether it's on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor FM, Google Podcasts. And follow the show on social media, on Twitter and Instagram at Very Cold Lasagna. And as always, keep that lasagna very cold in the fridge with your takes on the world of pro wrestling and sports. Icy cold with that very cold lasagna. <laughs> and until next time, when we reconvene to recap these games, peace out.